You've heard the phrase, the grass is always greener on the other side. When we're in a tough circumstance, it's hard not to look at someone else's life and be discontent with our own. The thing is, they're probably looking back at you thinking the same thing. So, how do we become content with the good and the bad in our own lives? Let's find out. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. We do this by using true life stories of real people. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. Are you content? Contentment is a hard thing to master, especially when our lives are full of painful problems. We do what we can to change our situation, but very rarely do we try to find contentment in it. Is it possible to become content even when it seems everything around us is going wrong? We're going to look into it on this week's episode. We live in a world with a ranking system. We have the stock market to compare money, social media to compare looks and status, and sometimes we compare ourselves to others. So a life of discontentment is not so far from each of us, especially when your life is full of pain and suffering like the man in this week's episode. He found it hard to be content with constant hurts mounting in his life. But would all that change when he found a new perspective? Also, you want to stick around because later we are going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for a prize. No, it's not a cash prize, but it is a prize, and I think it's a prize that you are really going to like if we draw your name. But first, let's get to it, folks. Part two of the true story of Danny Cox. You've lost some mass on your right side. Your arm and your shoulder are significantly smaller. Why? Why would that be happening? Well, I don't quite know yet. There are a number of possible explanations, but we'll have to do some testing and monitor you for a bit. Uh, can I keep lifting weights? You can try, but I'd go very slow and be careful. Step on the scale for me. But it's just a torn muscle or something, right? That doesn't typically result in such a dramatic change in size. You're losing weight, too. So what uh, what else could it be? Well, like I said, Danny, we'll need to keep monitoring it. And I'd like to do an EKG, see what we can find. Okay. Uh, it's just... Um, I'm falling in love, and we're making plans for our future, and I just want to know if that... If what? If I should be worried. Worrying doesn't accomplish anything. Surely you know that after a few years behind bars. Yeah, I suppose. But I'm still pretty good at it. Today we'll meet a man who was spiritually transformed while in prison. This is the conclusion of the true story of Danny Cox, right now on Unshackled. After a uh, successful career as an entrepreneur, I was put in jail for selling drugs. I didn't expect to be there very long, but it was there that I had an encounter with Jesus Christ that would change my life. After giving my life to him, I continued studying the Bible and 
attending church with another Christian inmate, Bob White. I was eager to get out into the world as a reformed man. As I waited for news of my case, I was surprised with a visitor one day. Danny? Yes, sir? Your private investigator is here. My... My what? <laughs> I didn't hire a private investigator. Come on in. Mom? Take all the time you want. Oh, my boy. Oh. I haven't hugged anyone since I was arrested. Oh, you look okay. You look healthy. Uh, I'm not supposed to have contact with visitors here. How did you get authorized to see me? Well, I'm not a total fraud. I did have a sincere interest in doing some investigative work. So, a few years ago, I took some classes in criminology. I took a firearms test, which I passed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Seriously? How did I not know about this? You were busy with your businesses. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Then I went to the Capitol, and they gave me this card, qualifying me to be an independent private investigator. Licensed investigators can do open visits whenever they want. You are my first client. Oh, wow. I... I don't know what to say. You don't know how much it's meant to me. The way you've supported me, legally, financially, spiritually... I know I've embarrassed you, but you still love me, and that... That's what a mama does. It's kept me going. I'm going to bring you some new clothes for your next court appearance. Oh, that'd be great. Oh, guess what? What? They're recommending me for an interocular lens transplant. Oh, how wonderful! What is that? I told them about getting shot in the eye when I was nine. And I guess I'm a good candidate because my cornea is still intact. Are you going to do it? Well, if the warden approves it, it's not life-threatening. The guys don't think he will. But you could have a chance to see clearly. I know. Oh, but Mom, there is someone who might be in a life-threatening situation. Remember my friend Jack Stone? Oh, of course I do. Uh, can you see if you can find anything about him? What happened? Well, he got in a fight in the county jail, ended up in the hospital, and I haven't heard anything. Well, I don't know how I'll track him down. Aren't you a private investigator? <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Folks, we'll get back to Danny's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's 
unshackledpodcast.org and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, unshackled. We take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to part two of the true story of Danny Cox. Jack was one of my oldest friends. He had been arrested on an unrelated case to mine, and I was relieved when my mom learned that he was going to be okay. And in a few weeks, I learned the warden at the federal medical prison in Rochester, Minnesota, had approved my surgery. Inmates there are sent to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. I received my transplant from some of the best doctors in the world. I felt so grateful for God's provision, and I was eager to serve him however I could. All right, man, I'm out. Uh, Where are you headed? I was just getting to know my new Sally. There'll be plenty of time for that. I'm off to volunteer with hospice. Oh, what's that? I didn't know inmates could volunteer. Uh, The chaplain's in charge of it. We meet in the chapel Wednesday nights. Oh, and what do you do? We spend time with the guys who are terminally ill. Sometimes we read them books or letters. Sometimes we feed them by hand if they can't feed themselves. Wow, that sounds intense. It is. I can't explain it, but I love doing it. You should come next week, after you get settled. Maybe I will. Soon, we learned about a new patient needing hospice care. Mr. Thompson was an older man with no family who had been given two months to live. The chaplain put us on a 24-hour watch program so that he would never have to be alone. I volunteered to be with Mr. Thompson as often as I could. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. (laughs) Even us, Mr. Thompson, even us, behind these walls of shame, we too can be saved and forgiven. Hard to believe, isn't it? Mr. Thompson, God bless this soul. I went to the chapel to be with God. Why did he want me to be there when Mr. Thompson died? Was he preparing me for something? I knew I was on a lonely road that few people had to endure, but I also knew that God would be with me every step of the way. Before long, I was back at the St. Clair County Jail in Belleville, Illinois. During this time, I got a new lawyer, and Bert worked hard preparing my defense, but nothing lifted my spirit so much as sharing a cell with my old buddy, Jack. Jack? Yeah? <laughs> Jack, it's me, Danny Cox. Get out of here. can't <laughs> <laughs> be real. How did you work out this arrangement? Oh, I saw your name on the board and asked if I could be assigned to your cell. No way, man. Bet you wouldn't have recognized me if you didn't know who to expect. (laughs) Sorry, I, uh... I've looked better. Uh, County jail will kick the life out of anyone. I haven't seen the sun for months. I'm sure I don't look like myself either. No, matter of fact, I didn't recognize you at first either. (laughs) (laughs) 
So tell me, what's happened to you since you got locked up? How you been? Uh, well, I got this letter in the mail, totally random, from a relative I barely knew, telling me that God still loved me, even in light of what I'd done. Wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> it messed me up. Do you really believe that? I wanted to, so I gave my life to God. I was like, uh, if you're still cool with me, even after all this, then I'll give you everything I've got. Whoa, look at you. I know. Did it change anything? No, well, maybe not on the outside. I'm still here, right? But on the inside, I feel like a different man. I have this, this peace I never knew before. Even when I was free, going to the club, running my businesses. <laughs> Nothing compared to this. Huh. God loves you too, Jack. Are... Are you sure? Says so right here. Jack gave his life to the Lord that night. After 15 years of friendship, we prayed together for the first time. And Jack, too, began to change. Unfortunately, I was soon transferred away from Jack to Fayette County Jail, but I knew we'd been brought back together for a purpose. Now I set my mind to preparing for my trial with my lawyer. To prove my innocence, we planned to undermine the character of the witnesses for the prosecution. I'd already been in jail for 18 months, and I was facing a minimum of 10 years in prison. I wanted so badly to be free, but I couldn't escape this nagging feeling in my heart. God, is this you? Are, are you the reason I don't feel right about this? I know we have a powerful case. I want to be out of here so badly. I I want to live my life for you as a free man. But if I'm truly a new creation and my past is forgiven, what does it mean to live in truth now? This is Bert Shostak. Bert, uh, it's Danny. You're up early. Never went to bed. Uh, sorry to bother you. I just... I just changed my mind. About what? I want to plead guilty. On one hand, I had been a respected businessman. And on the other hand, I was a cocaine addict and a drug dealer. I had led a double identity for so many years. For 30 years, I had been high on a lie. And now I was free from the lies but not free from the severe punishment that I had decided to face alone. God had forgiven my sins, but for my actions, I would have to suffer the consequences. Turns out God will forgive you, but the government will not. Mr. Cox, when you gave me your plea, I told you that today you would be given time to tell me anything that you think I ought to consider before imposing sentence. I want to give you that opportunity now. Uh, thank you, sir. I believe that my record from the Bureau of Prisons will reflect a positive attitude 
as well as a positive change of heart. I'm truly sorry for what I've done. I ask forgiveness from God, from my family and my friends. I apologize to the court. I ask the court to have mercy. Thank you, sir. Mr. Shostak? As a matter of law, it is rather cut and dried. As a personal matter, I'm bothered by the fact that among the many tragedies involved in this matter, Danny Cox is a man of substance, and he had gotten himself in this position. However, I think he has expressed himself well to you. I have spent enough time with him to know that he means what he says. All right, then. Pursuant to the Sentencing Reform Act of 1984, it is the judgment of this court that the defendant, Danny Ray Cox, is hereby committed to the custody of the Bureau of Prisons for a term of 120 months. I knew I was going to get 10 years, but I was still stunned at the sentencing. My mother and family were crying as I passed by them and shuffled back to the holding cell. So this was it. Eight more years in prison, away from my loved ones and sequestered from the world. What now, God? What now? After some time in Milan, Michigan, I was transferred to Terre Haute Prison Camp in Indiana. Just a two-and-a-half-hour drive from home. Guess who my new bunkmate was? <laughs> Turns out Jack had been transferred there, too. Ten years, man? I know. I'm 45 years old. I'll be 53 when I'm out of here. All right, well, here's what. We're going to walk this track every day. Okay. Man, stay in shape. That's a good idea. Every day we're going to get up and we're going to move. I like that. Meet on the track. Yeah, maybe that'll encourage him to keep taking care of it. Can I tell you something else I've been thinking about? Sure thing. I want a companion. What am I, chopped liver? No, no, like a wife. Oh, I see. I can't stop thinking about it. I know other guys who got married in prison. Fred, Stooge, Carl. No, Carl was married beforehand. Okay, okay, but it can happen. It can? So, I'm praying that God brings me a mate. Someone who's kind, and smart, funny, devoted to God, and, well, I guess it wouldn't hurt if she was beautiful, too. All right, Danny. I'll send up some prayers for you, brother. Gonna need a lot of them. On a call with my brother, he mentioned a girl we both knew named Sandy. Sandy and I had gone out a few times before I was arrested. I hadn't talked to her since I was first admitted to jail when I told her I'd given my life to God. I remembered that conversation vividly. Me too. What? A few years ago, I went to church with a friend and the pastor invited us to give our hearts to Jesus. And I did. I didn't know that. It's the most incredible feeling, isn't it? It really is. No matter what lies ahead for me, I know he'll help me get through it. Mm -hmm. He will. Just do your best to do your time and then you'll be out of here. Yep, that's the plan. <laughs> then I can see you. I can't wait. But, of course, we're talking a 10-year sentence. 
It had been a long time since I'd talked to Sandy, but I called her, and she started coming to visit me. Our visits flew by, and I was always looking forward to the next one. One time, I sat there listening to her talk about her apartment and her son, Blake, and the new recipe she was trying when it hit me. I was head over heels in love. I had to tell her. Danny. Yes, thank you. You have two hours. Hi. You look beautiful. You say that every time. You always do. What's up with you? Why do you look so nervous? I can't wait any longer. I love you, Sandy. I love the way you think and the way you listen. I love how you take a deep breath before you say something true. And I love the oatmeal cookies you bring me. I never thought I could find a best friend to love the way I love you. I, I understand if you can't respond right away. I, I know I sort oh, of... Oh, Danny, I feel the same way. I wait all week until I get to see you, and then I start counting down as soon as it's over. I love being with you, even in this ugly old room, and I can't imagine what it'd be like to be with you in the real world. I know. I drove past a cute old Victorian town not far from here. They have horse-drawn buggies and rides in the moonlight. I always imagine what it would be like to go there with you. Someday, you won't have to imagine it. It was around this time that I started experiencing pain in my arms and shoulders. I got it looked at by a doctor, but my spirits stayed high as I waited on results. I asked Sandy to marry me on her birthday, and then I learned that there was a possibility I could get my jail time reduced. The cocaine I sold was so weak that it actually only warranted a five-year sentence. Aside from these annoying medical tests, things were coming up. Hi, Danny. So, Doc, from what I understand, there's a pinched nerve in my neck that may need surgery. Uh, how soon can we schedule that for? I wish that were all there was to it. Why don't you have a seat? Okay. I'm sorry I don't have better news for you. You have a disease called amyotropic lateral sclerosis, or ALS, better known as Lou Gehrig's disease. What? How, how do we... How do you treat it? There is no cure. The only known treatment is in the experimental stage, and it's against federal law for an inmate to take experimental medicine. But I... This can't be happening. You've suffered a great deal of damage over the past few months. So I've just tried to push through it. I had other stuff going on. Are you, are you saying I'm already declining? You may only have a year or two left. I'm so sorry. I went back to my cell in some sort of a fog. Nothing made sense. How could this be? Why, Lord? I I'm supposed to have a simple neck surgery. Mary Sandy win my motion for a sentence reduction and be home in a year. I didn't come here to die. My mother and Sandy were both devastated with me. This wasn't the end any of us had anticipated. I tried to keep my head up as I went about my days, eating, reading my Bible, and volunteering with hospice. But my heart was in despair. Hi, Danny. My name's John. I'm another hospice volunteer. 
I'm making assignments today, so you can follow me this way. All right. Nick. Hi, Nick. I want you to meet one of our hospice volunteers. His name is Danny, and he has Lou Gehrig's, too. Oh, hi. Uh, yes. Nick is unable to speak, Danny, but I'm sure he's glad to meet another friend. I nodded. I was believing and hoping for healing, and yet here I was, face to face with what the doctor said would be my future. A horrible, twisted, lifeless condition. Nick, Danny and I are going to go for a walk. We'll be back. I'm sure that isn't easy. Let me get you some water. Can he move? One foot, his head, and his eyes. Can he eat? Soft foods. He has to be spoon-fed. They designed an electronic pad that lies under Nick's head. He has just enough strength in his neck that he can press it, and it will sound an alarm for the nurse that he's in need of assistance. Did you know him when he was strong? I met him a year ago. He was in the same shape as you are now. Is this supposed to make me feel better? I'm sorry. I thought it might help you both to feel less alone. You're the only two inmates in over 100,000 in the system who are fighting the exact same thing. Well, it doesn't help. When, when he looks at me, it's like he knows. He knows that before long I'll be just like him. My limbs will fall limp at my side just like his. He looks at me and he knows, Josh. He knows. Oh, God, why is this? Danny. Nick hasn't been alone one step of the way, and you won't be either. For months, I prayed to God for my healing. I didn't know if it would come, but he invites us to ask for the desires of our heart, and this was all I wanted now. Things with Sandy were growing more and more difficult as we tried to cling to a relationship we didn't know if we could ever experience outside of visiting hours. One cloudy spring day in my cell, I felt this sudden reassurance that I was going to be healed. <laughs> I couldn't wait to tell her. I brought more cookies. Yes. They're a little different. Whole wheat instead of flour, prunes instead of sugar, and yogurt instead of butter. Oh. <laughs> you have to take care of yourself. So do you. You've lost weight. I've done nothing but worry for eight months. It's going to be okay. The Lord showed me that I'm going to be healed. Oh, Danny. I'm serious. I know you are. But that doesn't mean anything. If this disease is ruthless, why would you be the exception? I don't know. You know, it's never going to happen. The Victorian town with the buggy rides, getting married, living together. None of it's going to happen. I don't think I can do this anymore. Oh, Sandy. I will always love you, Danny. I'll keep calling, but I can't visit anymore. It's too hard. I cried out to the Lord like a baby. How could she leave me now? I needed her more than ever. As I lay in bed, I felt the Lord ask me, how much do you love her? Enough that you can forgive the pain she's causing you right now? I decided to try to love her that much. 
Meanwhile, I appealed to be considered for an experimental drug program for Lou Gehrig's victims, and I was admitted. Sandy and I stayed connected, and when I was released on the appearance bond, I finally got to see her outside of a prison waiting room. I asked if she still wanted to marry me. She did. A few days later, we found a pastor to perform the ceremony. We didn't know what the future would bring, but... We wanted to face it together. During this time, I got more testing done until finally, the chief neurologist made his diagnosis. I had no sign of Lou Gehrig's disease. But this meant I had to return to prison to serve another four and a half years before I could be with my family again. The pain of leaving and the miracle of healing was almost too much to process. Danny, you have a phone call. Hello? Hi, hon. Hey, love. Great to hear your voice. I, um, I have some news. Okay. Or I suppose we have some news. Tell me already. I'm pregnant. Nine months later, I met my son, Garrett, on my birthday in the prison visiting room. God had moved in our lives in ways we had asked for, and also in completely unexpected blessings, like the gift of a child. In my last years in prison, I began to share my testimony and developed a heart for bringing others to experience the love of Christ that had changed me. I went on to become an evangelist and correctional chaplain so that I could come alongside men and women in prison and help them see that by the grace of God, their story didn't have to be over. It could be just beginning. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Contentment isn't easy. Like Danny, Things might feel like they're falling apart around you, or maybe they actually are. You could be struggling with the loss of a loved one, a devastating diagnosis, or even just feeling like you've hit a dead end. But the Bible says in Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Although our circumstances might not be peaceful, when we repent and trust in Jesus Christ, He gives us a supernatural peace, a perfect peace. And with that peace, we can stop looking left and right to others' lives and comparing our circumstances or just myopically focusing on our own pain. When we look to Jesus, there we can be truly content. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you, but in the meantime, here's an interesting fact about Unshackled. We use both digital sound effects like and live sound effects like this. 
That was just created by one of our sound effect artists just now. Thanks, David. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled In Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, here's the prize for our new upcoming sweepstakes contest. Another beautiful wooden scripture plaque, and it is John 8:12. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. I love that one. This is a gorgeous plaque, folks, especially if you're looking for daily inspiration from Scripture. You will love this authentic and very unique wooden plaque. The plaque has been sawn from a tree branch or log and uh, cut in such a way as uh, to retain as much of the bark around the perimeter as possible. It's been handcrafted around the natural character and the beauty of the wood that, uh, well, God created. So all you have to do to enter our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. The winner of this sweepstakes drawing for this beautiful scripture plaque will be announced November 1st, but the deadline for entry is October 20th. And next time... What were you doing in there? I just picked up my prescription. I saw you. What? You were flirting with that guy at the cash register. (laughs) No, I wasn't. Don't lie to me. Cheryl Dunn had grown accustomed to life cycling through domestic violence and abuse. Ow! Let me go! So you can go back inside and flirt some more? No, because you're hurting me. I don't like your sass. What is wrong with you? She lost hope that her future could be any different. Come out of there. Go away! Look, I'm sorry I hit you. Just come out and we'll talk. How did I end up here? Nothing will ever change. She would discover a hope that never fails or disappoints, but could she believe and receive such a gift? I guess I just don't know why I'd need God every day since I never have. You don't think you could use God's help? Don't miss her compelling true story on the next Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Danny Cox Part 2 were Tom McElroy, Allison Voller, John Green, Mike Rogalski, and Demetrius Troy. Original music and audio engineer Don Badorf. Sound effects Demetrius Troy. Recording engineer David Pierczynski. Script Samantha Beach. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.